0: volume 1 chapter 10 of the marble fawn this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org reading by lars rolander the marble fawn by nathaniel hawthorne volume 1 chapter 10 the sylvan dance as the music came fresher on their ears they danced to its cadence extemporizing new steps and attitudes each varying movement had a grace which might have been worth putting into marble for the long delight of days to come but vanished with the movement that gave it birth and was effaced from memory by another in miriam's motion freely as she flung herself into the frolic of the hour there was still an artful beauty in donatellus there was a charm of indescribable grotesqueness hand in hand with grace sweet bewitching most provocative of laughter and yet aching to pathos so deeply did it touch the heart this was the ultimate peculiarity the final touch distinguishing between the sylvan creature and the beautiful companion at his side setting apart only this miriam resembled a nymph as much as donatello did a fawn there were flitting moments indeed when she played the sylvan character as perfectly as he catching glimpses of her then you would have fancied that an oak had sundered its rough bark to let her dance freely forth endowed with the same spirit in her human form as that which rustles in the leaves or that she had emerged through the pebbly bottom of a fountain, a water-nymph to play and sparkle in the sunshine, flinging a quivering light around her, and suddenly disappearing in a shower of rainbow-drops. As the fountain sometimes subsides into its basin, so in Miriam there was symptoms that the frolic of her spirits would at last tire itself out ah donatello cried she laughing as she stopped to take a breath you have an unfair advantage over me i am no true creature of the woods while you are a real fawn i do believe when your curls shook just now me thought i had a peep at the pointed ears donatello snapped his fingers above his head as fawns and satyrs taught us first to do and seemed to radiate jollity out of his whole nimble person. Nevertheless, there was a kind of dim apprehension in his face, as if he dreaded that a moment's pause might break the spell, and snatch away the sportive companion whom he had waited for through so many dreary months. "'Dance! dance!' cried he joyously. "'If we take breath, we shall be as we were yesterday. There now is the music. Just beyond this clump of trees, dance, Miriam. Dance, they had now reached an open grassy glade of which there are many in that artfully constructed wilderness, set round with stone seats on which the aged moss had kindly essayed to spread itself instead of cushions. On one of the stone benches sat the musicians whose strains had enticed our wild couple thitherward. They proved to be a vagrant band, such as Rome and all Italy abounds with, comprising a harp, a flute, and a violin, which, though greatly the worse for wear, the performers had skill enough to provoke and modulate into tolerable harmony. It chanced to be a feast-day, and instead of playing in the sun-scorched piazzas of the city, or beneath the windows of some unresponsive palace, they had bethought themselves to try the echoes of these woods for on the festas of the church rome scatters its merrymakers all abroad ripe for the dance or any other pastime as miriam and donatello emerged from among the trees the musicians scraped tinkled or blew each according to his various kind of instrument more inspiringly than ever A dark-checked little girl with bright black eyes stood by, shaking a tambourine, set round with tinkling bells, and thumping it on its parchment head. Without interrupting his brisk though measured movement, Donatello snatched away this unmelodious contrivance, and flourishing it above his head, produced music of indescribable potency, still dancing with frisky step and striking the tambourine and ringing its little bells, all in one jovial act. It might be that there was magic in the sound, or contagion at least, in the spirit which had got possession of Miriam and himself, for very soon a number of festal people were drawn to the spot, and struck into the dance, singly or in pairs, as if they were all gone mad with jollity. Among them were some of the plebeian damsels whom we meet bareheaded in the Roman streets with silver stilettos thrust through their glossy hair. The contadinas, too, from the campagna and the villages, with their rich and picturesque costumes of scarlet and all bright hues, such as fairer maidens might not venture to put on. Then came the modern Roman from Trastevere perchance with his old cloak drawn about him like a toga which anon as his active motion heated him he flung aside three french soldiers capered freely into the throng in wide scarlet trousers their short swords dangling at their sides, and three german artists in gray flaccid hats and flaunting beards and one of the pope's swiss guardsmen in the strange motley garb which michael angelo contrived for them two young english tourists one of them a lord took contadine partners and dashed in as did also a shaggy man in goatskin breeches who looked like rustic pan in person and footed it as merrily as he besides the above there was a herdsman or two from the campagna and a few peasants in sky-blue jackets and small clothes tied with ribbons at the knees haggard and sallow were these last poor serfs having little to eat and nothing but the malaria to breathe but still they plucked up a momentary spirit and joined hands in donatello's dance here as it seemed had the golden age come back again Within the precincts of this sunny glade, thawing mankind out of their cold formalities, releasing them from irksome restraint, mingling them together in such childlike gaiety that new flowers, of which the old bosom of the earth is full, sprang up beneath their footsteps. The sole exception to the geniality of the moment, as we have understood, was seen in a countryman of our own. Was sneered at the spectacle and declined to compromise his dignity by making part of it the harper thrummed with rapid fingers the violin player flashed his bow back and forth across the strings the flautist poured his breath in quick puffs of jollity while donatello shook the tambourine above his head and led the merry throng with unvariable steps as they followed one another in a wild ring of mirth it seemed the realization of one of those bas-reliefs where a dance of nymphs satyrs or bacchanals is twined around the circle of an antique vase or it was like the sculpture seen on the front and sides of a sarcophagus where as often as any other device a festive procession mocks the ashes and white bones that are treasured up within YOU MIGHT TAKE IT FOR A MARRIAGE PAGEANT, BUT AFTER A WHILE, IF YOU LOOK AT THESE MERRYMAKERS, FOLLOWING THEM FROM END TO END OF THE MARBLE COFFIN, YOU DOUBT WHETHER THEIR GAY MOVEMENTS IS LEADING THEM TO A HAPPY CLOSE. A YOUTH HAS SUDDENLY FALLEN IN THE DANCE. A CHARIOT IS OVERTURNED AND BROKEN, FLINGING THE charioteer HEADLONG TO THE GROUND. A MAIDEN SEEMS TO HAVE GROWN FAINT OR WEARY and is drooping on the bosom of a friend always some tragic incident is shadowed forth or thrust sidelong into the spectacle and when once it has caught your eye you can look no more at the festal portions of the scene except with reference to this one slightly suggested doom and sorrow as in its mirth so in the darker characteristic here alluded to there was an analogy between the sculptured scene on the sarcophagus and the wild dance which we have been describing in the midst of its madness and riot miriam found herself suddenly confronted by a strange figure that shook its fantastic garments in the air and pranced before her on its tiptoes almost vying with the agility of donatello himself it was the model A moment afterwards Donatello was aware that she had retired from the dance. He hastened towards her, and flung himself on the grass beside the stone bench on which Miriam was sitting. But a strange distance of unapproachableness had all at once enveloped her, and though he saw her within reach of his arm, yet the light of her eyes seemed as far off as that of a star nor was there any warmth in the melancholy smile with which she regarded him come back cried he why should this happy hour end so soon it must end here donatello said she in answer to his words and outstretched hand and such hours i believe do not often repeat themselves in a lifetime let me go my friend let me vanish from you quietly among the shadows of these trees see the companions of our pastime are vanishing already whether it was that the harp-strings were broken the violin out of tune or the flautist out of breath so it chanced that the music had ceased and the dancers come abruptly to a pause all that motley throng of rioters was dissolved as suddenly as it had been drawn together in Miriam's remembrance. The scene had a character of fantasy. It was as if a company of satyrs, fauns, and nymphs with Pan in the midst of them had been disporting themselves in these venerable woods only a moment ago, and now, in another moment, because some profane eyes had looked at them too closely. some intruder had cast a shadow on their mirth the sylvan pageant had utterly disappeared if a few of the merry-makers lingered among the trees they had hidden their racy peculiarities under the garb and aspect of ordinary people and sheltered themselves in the weary commonplace of daily life just an instant before it was arcadia and the golden age the spell being broken it was now only that old tract of pleasure ground close by the people's gate of rome a tract where the crimes and calamities of ages the many battles blood recklessly poured out and deaths of myriads have corrupted all the soil creating an influence that makes the air deadly to human lungs you must leave me said miriam to donatello more imperatively than before have i not said it go and look not behind you miriam whispered donatello grasping her hand forcibly who is it that stands in the shadow yonder beckoning you to follow him hush leave me repeated miriam your hour is past his hour has come donatello still gazed in the direction which he had indicated and the expression of his face was fearfully changed being so disordered perhaps with terror at all events with anger and invincible repugnance that miriam hardly knew him his lips were drawn apart so as to disclose his set teeth thus giving him a look of animal rage which we seldom see except in persons of the simplest and rudest natures a shudder seemed to pass through his very bones i hate him muttered he be satisfied i hate him too said miriam she had not thought of making this avowal but was irresistibly drawn to it by the sympathy of the dark emotion in her own breast with that so strongly expressed by donatello two drops of water or of blood do not more naturally flow into each other than did her hatred into his shall i clutch him by the throat whispered donatello with a savage scowl bid me do so and we are rid of him for ever In heaven's name, no violence exclaimed. Miriam, affrighted out of the scornful control which she had hitherto held over her companion by the fierceness that he so suddenly developed. Oh, have pity on me, Donatello, if for nothing else, yet because in the midst of my wretchedness I let myself be your playmate for this one wild hour. Follow me no farther, henceforth. Leave me to my doom, dear friend, kind, simple, loving friend. Make me not more wretched by the remembrance of having thrown fierce hates or loves into the wellspring of your happy life. Not follow you repeated Donatello, soothed from anger into sorrow, less by the purport of what she said than by the melancholy sweetness of her voice not follow you what other path have i we will talk of it once again said miriam still soothingly soon to-morrow when you will only leave me now End of chapter ten of volume one read by Rolander.